Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is how the consumer's journey has changed. We have an excellent expert today to share his thoughts on this important topic, Brian Simon. Brian leads Lenders One. He's president as well as leading the origination strategy for AltaSource. Prior to that, Brian has had a fantastic career within mortgage banking. He was chief operating officer at NewPen, which has become New Res. He was CEO of Caliber. And prior to that, he was chief operating officer at Freedom Mortgage. And most importantly, Brian is a Philadelphia sports fan, which I am too. So hi, Brian. Hey, Pat. How are you? Good. Well, this is such a terrific topic. But before we go into it, let's talk a little bit about how you got into the business and how did you get into managing? So being that we're both from the area, you, of course, will recognize the name Advanta. And the CEO of Advanta was my neighbor growing up. And he gave me a part-time job as a call center loan officer. And this was back in the very, very early 90s, I guess, 91 or 92 probably. It was my first exposure to the mortgage business. And then subsequently graduating from college, you know, I had opportunities to pursue full-time career in mortgage. And I liked it. Um, I always thought I'd be a lawyer or something like that. But um, the mortgage business suited me. I liked it. I was successful at it. And the business was really just taking off, you know, going back, you know, nearly 30 years. 25 years. And so I joined another company here in Philadelphia that's no longer in existence uh, called American Business Financial Services. And I became a manager uh, there in the call center uh, doing, you know, non-prime before, back before that was a bad word. And then, you know, went into investment banking, did some consulting work, came back. And that's when I joined Freedom, at, you know, as, as one of the executives there on the team really helping that business grow. And, you know, you just named some of the other places I worked. You know, I've had some good experiences. Uh, helping build and run some of the largest non-bank originators in the country. And now I'm on really the service side, supporting originators and, and mortgage banks through my work at OutSource. So it's, it's been uh, pretty interesting. And the mortgage business has definitely been a great career for me. And I, and I love the industry. I mean, so much so I just uh, finished my certified mortgage banker journey a few weeks ago and you know continue to try to give back to the industry when I can. Well, congratulations on the CMB. That's terrific. So what was the best advice, I mean, over all these years that you've been in mortgage banking that you received on the managing topic? Oh, God, I mean, that's, it's hard to pinpoint one thing, but I think as a manager, you know, the, the best advice maybe that I've received is that you've got to look at every individual on your team and, and try to identify what their unique strengths and weaknesses are. Not, not every individual on the team is going to be just like you the manager, or just like anyone else on the team. And it's really important to make sure that, you know, to use a, a sports analogy, you know, when, when you watch the NFL draft, you often hear the general managers use this concept of, you know, taking the best player who's available on the board in any position. And while that might work well for sports because it's easy for them to trade their players, it doesn't work so well if you've got five, you know, all-star point guards or five all-star quarterbacks on your team. You really need to have someone who can play every position. And so, it's important to recognize what makes up a good team as opposed to just a, a good group of individuals, I think. And so that's, I've always tried and I think I've been pretty successful at building teams that way by looking at each individual team member's strengths and weaknesses uh, and making sure I've got different people at different spots to fill all the different positions. 
were there books or were there authors that were important for you from your viewpoint when you first started out or maybe even today? You know, I read a lot. I'm constantly reading both fiction and nonfiction. I, I don't think I can point to any one specific book specific to the mortgage business, although certainly a lot of the, you know, the management books, which everyone is familiar with, um, you know, the move my cheese and the five minute manager and all those things that were so popular through the nineties. I spent a lot of time reading. I attended, you know, the Dale Carnegie classes. And so he, you know, when I was starting out as a sales manager, that was really helpful, you know, Zig Ziglar, things like that. So I just try to take in as much information as I can. And if I read a whole book and I only get out of it a paragraph's worth of value, then I stick it in my internal, you know, encyclopedia and draw on it when I have to. So for me, it's just been about con consuming as much quantity of written material and advice as I can, and then just taking out of it what works best for me in every situation. Sure. So when you look back, and again, you've had so many fabulous positions, what was your greatest victory in your career from your viewpoint? I've had a lot of big wins in my career, and I've worked with and for a lot of, a lot of really interesting individuals. But I would say at a very specific level, and hopefully, you know, hope I'll I'll exceed that in my current role. But when I was working at Freedom, we were at, at the time really a regional player. You know, the company obviously has grown into one of the largest and most successful mortgage lenders in the country. We were able to, and I, and I led this transaction where we acquired Irwin Mortgage. And so you know, Irwin was many, many multiples larger, I mean, 10 times larger than, than Freedom was. And our ability, our unique ability uh, to surprise the industry and acquire that business, A, the, the deal was something really unique because I've worked on so many transactions, but never one where, you know, the company being acquired was so much larger than the acquirer. Uh, and that also, you know, became the engine that's really propelled freedom, I think, in great part to its current success. So uh, that's something that, that I feel really proud about because it was a deal that no one thought could get done and uh, had to use all sorts of different skills and techniques to make that happen, both, you know, knowing about mortgage banking, but also, uh, you know, investment banking skills, legal skills, contract work, it, it involved everything. And it was really a, a process that I enjoyed and the outcome was pretty spectacular. Yeah, I do remember that when that was a, a, a great acquisition that Freedom did make. So on the flip side, what, Brian, would you say was your greatest lesson that you've learned in your career? I have a five-year-old and I tell her all the time, you have to have patience and she groans and rolls her eyes at me. But I will tell you that I learned that nothing, almost nothing good or great ever happened overnight. And as a young man, when I was starting out, my, my career took off early. You know, I was in senior executive at companies very young in life. And I hadn't yet reached the, uh, the level of maturity or patience to realize that it just takes time sometimes. You want to go fast, but it's important not to cut corners. It's important not to always be looking for the next greatest opportunity, but to be focused on the work that's at hand and put your all into it and, you know, great things will happen. So I definitely would say that, you know, of course, learning industry knowledge and technical skills, but as an executive and a manager, learning to have patience, you know, to see the current endeavors through um, is definitely the best lesson I've learned. Yeah, it's very difficult to do for sure. So I'm glad you raised that point. So let's talk about how the consumer's journey has changed because it has significantly. And I'd like to hear, and I'm sure our listeners would like to hear uh, your uh, view of it. As I stated earlier, you know, I've been doing this for quite some time. And it's, it's funny. I wake up now, I remember not too long ago when I was the, the youngest guy in the room at the table. Now that's not me anymore. As I'm, 
as I'm moving past, you know, 25 years of doing this, but I'm old enough and I've been in the industry long enough to remember, you know, when I first started as a loan officer at Advance, I mean, literally, we didn't even have a computer. I was given a, a physical pad of 1003s um, <laughs> and like pages from a phone book and we would call people and hand write the 1003s and then they'd have to come to the office at some point and they'd have to sign it. And you'd have to, you know, walk them through using, it's funny, I just found in my drawer, I sent a picture to someone, you know, the HP 12C that I used, you know, all through college and grad school and earlier in my career, um, you know, do these calculations by hand. There really wasn't even an active electronic TABA market. You know, you had these, these books that the bond traders would use to sure. price securities for you over the phone. And so everything about, I don't want to say it's just technology, but of course, you know, technology has really altered the landscape. But the industry has really progressed. I mean, you know, independent mortgage bankers weren't really a big thing 25 years ago. And, and now they, they dominate the market. And there's a whole host of reasons for that, obviously. And I think it's been really good for the consumer. So in a lot of ways, the consumer has greater access to product for sure. It's more convenient for them. You know, they pick up the phone or even better use the computer or their phone or their tablet or whatever medium they choose uh, to use to engage. They're able to shop for pricing with things like, like lending tree or bank rate. Um, it's not a mystery anymore. They can pretty much do the entire process online. Some states you really can, right? In a few states now post-COVID where you can truly do remote notary and not just electronic signature, but you actually don't even have to leave your home. As a matter of fact, Lenders One has a proprietary e-closing platform where we helped the first fully electronic closing in the state of Virginia came through that, where the person didn't even have to leave their home to do anything. And so I think, you know, you've had the industry change, certainly things that came out of the, the quote unquote meltdown in the late, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010 timeline, the qualitative nature of the work has gotten better. So as their restrictions were placed on loans, I think, you know, access to credit now is, is pretty easy for most consumers. They can get to it through technology and it's really become, well, it's still a somewhat mystifying process, I would say. And I would hope that at some point we'll get to a place as an industry that it's really driven by regulators that, you know, the documentation required, the closing documentation becomes much less onerous because, you know, I'm in the mortgage business and I've had many, many mortgages. And as an expert in the field, it's still confusing when you sign the documents, right? It's not right. easy. There's, it's not like one piece of paper. And then I always marvel at the fact that I guess if your credit was good enough or you had a good enough job, you could literally pick up the phone and call a Rolls-Royce dealer and buy a $300,000 car over the internet of the phone and it would drop it off at your house and you'd sign like one piece of paper. Right. And it's chattel. It moves around. They might not even be able to find it. But for a mortgage, you know, the process is so unwieldy. And the industry has really moved mountains, I think, in terms of both technology and process to make it easier. But at its core you know, it's still the same thing. You still need income documentation. You still need to verify that, you know, the property, the valuation. You still need title insurance. You still need credit. They still have to verify funds. I mean, none of that has changed. And the documentation is still pretty much the same, despite, you know, the radical overhauls of all the docs and things with trade, which obviously was a big one and I think really did help the consumer, although it was complex in its implementation. So I think now... You know, while it's still complicated, the mortgage process itself has gotten easier. It is clearer for the borrowers. You know, the, the LE and the CD are, are definitely better documents for the customer. The regulations protect the consumer better, and they're able to use you know, technology 
to make the process significantly easier. So it's, it's definitely moved a long way. And then the connectivity between all the different partners, the realtors, the lenders, you know, to really be able to go from incubating yourself as a home buyer, potential home buyer, to closing, the process has gotten much easier and, and much quicker. So what is your thoughts on, obviously you mentioned just a few minutes ago about the rise of the independent mortgage banker, and it has been pretty consistent that banks have really moved somewhat away to the mortgage industry. Do you see that continuing? I think that I always used to think that the independent mortgage banker was in a pretty precarious position, even at some of the large companies that I was an executive at, because we were always living on the margins of the land that the big banks let us have, right? Because everyone mm-hmm. knew at any point in time, Wells, Chase, B of A City, they had so much bandwidth in terms of their access to cheap capital, through mm-hmm. deposits in the window and all their branches that they could just, if they wanted, especially in third party, if they wanted to just buy all the business, they would just drop their rates, which we still see, you know, Wells in particular doing correspondence. But I think the big things that are two big things that have really happened that moved the banks away um, from the mortgage business in more than just a philosophical way are obviously Basel, Basel III, and the rules around servicing retention. Economically, it just became unfeasible for the banks to hold such an overweight position in mortgage servicing. Right. And then the government's use, uh, you know, continued use of the False Claims Act, which is what effectively drove most of the banks out of doing FHA, VA, you know, government lending. And now I think, I mean, this quote, but I'm almost sure it's right because this was a question on my CMB exam. So I did learn something there that IMBs are now responsible for nearly nine out of 10 government loans, whether right. it be FHA, VA, or USDA. So those are some pretty interesting statistics and those things that have changed. Now, unless, you know, they go back and they unwind Basel and, you know, there's some sea change in the government's use or ability to use the false claims act, I don't think you're going to see significant changes where the, you know, 19 out of the top 20 lenders are banks again, or I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing that, but sure. there was a time I remember where Wells alone was like 50% of the industry. If you right. counted, you know, warehouse, correspondent, they, they touched like one in two loans in some way, shape or form. I don't think we're going to see that again. So I think, you know, it's pretty safe. Now, do I think that the resurgence in, you know, mortgage brokering and things like that will live forever the way it has? Who knows? I mean, we're living in this crazy time where I've never seen, you know, the volume rally at the same time as the margins rally the way they have been. And so we'll have to see how things settle out. But I certainly think that you will see the independent mortgage banker be the dominant force in the space for some time to come. So Brian, when you look at, and again, this applies to the change in the consumer's buyer's journey, but talk about your thoughts about the loan officer. And obviously in your, when you first started, it looked one way. How do you see it kind of playing out in conjunction with what, what consumers are wanting? Well, again, the loan officers are usually the primary point of contact. Mm-hmm. Um, with the borrower. And so, you know, there's been, first of all, there's far more access to product. So, you know, banks historically would only originate what they wanted to keep for their portfolio. So just following on the theme of the conversation we just had about IMBs, you know, mm-hmm. sort of, and maybe regional banks, let's call it rising, you know, I, I think expense is probably the wrong word, but the, the large, you know, national banks sort of taking a step backwards. Now you have independent companies that generally are not owners of their own assets. I mean, they might retain servicing opportunistically, but that's not really, it's not really their own product. Mm-hmm. And so 
their mission is, you know, they're monoline mortgage companies, and their mission is to serve as many consumers as possible, not just to serve as many consumers as fit their product profile, you know, I guess that they're geographical. They want to do business license, whereas banks historically are driven by lending in their own footprint to, you know, to drive market share, to accomplish their CRA goals. And so you have more IMBs who are bringing more product to the market. They're more entrepreneurial with their borrowers, their clients. They work through scenarios and find, I think you've seen the access to home ownership is much greater. So far more people qualify and qualify for, you know, products and programs that are better suited to their needs. And, you know, the IMDs are, are highly regulated. As a matter of fact, I think they're more highly regulated probably than the banks are. You can make that argument. And so um, with the licensing requirements also that are imposed on non-banks, uh, you know as a consumer that you're getting an educated, licensed, tested person as opposed to the banks. Not to say that people who work in the banks aren't good, but they're not subject to those same requirements where you know that they're taking all that education and continuing education every year because the federal banks have a preemption. So you've got, in theory, more highly skilled and qualified loan officers who have access to more product, who are more entrepreneurial, that will be more willing to work harder for the client to get them approved and get them approved at a, at a better price than they might otherwise have gotten, and use new technology to make that process easier. So, you know, sharper, faster, better, cheaper. I think all those things apply to the consumer now, to their experience. So last question uh, for our program today is the branch setup, which has been, whether it's a bank or an independent mortgage bank, or that has always been the traditional setup. Do you see that continuing? Well, if you would have asked me that question like eight months ago, <laughs> I would have had one answer. But now you know, with this pandemic, and I just had this conversation with someone else. I don't think so, because the consumers aren't going to the branch anyway now. Right. I think we've really shown as an industry, not just this industry, but we'll just use mortgage as a proxy because it's the one that we know. People have seen they don't need to be in a branch. They don't need to go to the office. The people, the loan officers are whoever, you know, working from their home. People are actually touring homes virtually. They're not even going to the house before they buy it in many cases. So, no, I actually think that companies are seeing – now, the big issue is just what do they need from a brick-and-mortar perspective, right? So if you're in a state that still has those requirements, that sure. may be different. But outside of a regulatory requirement, which I think they're going to have to change as well because the regulators aren't going out in COVID out to these individual branches. True. So I think what will come out of this is, and hopefully, a leaner, more efficient and effective way of you know managing from a compliant regulatory perspective – and also, you'll see that, you know, people realize that loan officers and processors and underwriters with the technology that we're fortunate to have today, they don't need to be in the office. Like, it's certainly better from a team building, a security core, sure. and maybe an efficiency perspective to have, you know, your teams of like dock drawers and closers and shippers, some of those things in person. But I really think that you're seeing, we see many of, I have a unique view on this because as the head of Lenders One, I'm representing 220 mortgage companies that collectively represent 20% of the market. So I've got a pretty good view. And I hear from many of my members, large and small, they're not back to work in the office. Right. And they're doing better than they ever did before. So I think that we are going to see a big change there in how that branch strategy works. And I think that's a good thing because it'll be less expense, which hopefully will pass down to the consumer. Right. No, I think you're exactly right. Just to wrap it up for today, what would you say would be a couple takeaways for our listeners? Well, I think one is, 
like I said, be patient with the process you're working on, but also embrace change and embrace technology. We know we hear about it ad nauseum that we have this aging population of people who work in the mortgage business. And so, you know, people who have been doing things a certain way for a long time are not always the most accepting of change, but you don't want to be the last saddle maker when the Model T starts rolling off the assembly line. And so I think, you know, embracing change in process and technology and ways to do things is certainly going to be paramount for people as we move into the future to succeed. And also just remember that, you know, the, what with, you know, enhanced technology and exposure and sort of consolidation to some extent, certainly commoditization, more commoditization of this product. It's good for the consumers because it drives more competition, but you have to work harder. Because now it's not about, are you a nice guy? Is your office fancier? The consumer is only going to see your email and maybe hear your voice on the phone, and that's it. And they're really looking at the pricing, the service, the efficiency. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's going to drive the industry to be much more competitive to the benefit of the borrower. So be aware of that. Yeah, that they're great thoughts. And I want to thank you for sharing them today with us. And certainly ask our listeners to please rate this podcast. Go to www.petrolock.com for information about our services and sign up for the weekly sales block. Thanks so much, Brian. You got it, Pat. Thanks for having me.